Avengers! Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Matt. Matt, welcome back. Yeah, glad to be here. How's it going? It's going pretty good because we actually have another guest, as only the people on Apple Podcasts would know because the thumbnail looks a little different. We are joined by Dan from Casting Views. Dan, welcome to the show. Hello. Cheers for having me on. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about Casting Views. Casting Views, we are a general topic podcast. It's myself uh, and my nephew, Lou. And we, yeah, we generally sort of pick a really random topic each week. And it's usually um, a couple of days before recording. We we were really well organized before, but now it's literally a couple of days. I'll call Lou up and say, what should we talk about? We'll suggest something. We try to have a laugh. We try to make people have a laugh. We try to also pick interesting topics. Um, we stay away from anything too heavy. You know, everything from unusual ways people have made money to at the moment we're doing probably one of our heavier subjects being psychological experiments at the moment as as we're recording this so so yeah a little bit of everything the one that really stood out to me was was it unusual robberies i think is it where someone in germany or uh northern europe stole a bridge overnight yeah yeah it's unusual crimes yeah and Lou, lou picked one where yeah a couple of people stole like a a really long and really heavy steel bridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the show is fantastic and it is a lot of fun because it, it never sticks to just one thing. You guys don't pigeonhole yourself. So it is a lot of fun there. Uh, so this week, Dan is gracious enough to join us to talk about the 15 year anniversary of the Mass Effect franchise. Uh, this week coming out, the original Mass Effect released November 2nd, 2007. And we're going to talk about the franchise as a whole, the original trilogy, Andromeda, everything in between that we we know of. So we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to take a quick ad break from our friends, Karen and Anne at Sugar Coated Murder. We'll be right back. Hey, Ann Barner. Hey, Karen Beatty. We need a promo. You know, like where we talk about what we do on our podcast. On our sugar-coated murder podcast? Like how we love to bake and talk about murder? That's what we need to talk about. There you go. I think we've talked about it. Y'all find us on all your favorite listening apps. Stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. And we are back here with Josh, Matt, and Dan to talk about Mass Effect, the video game franchise, and uh, celebrating 15 years of N7, which I'm sure, Matt, you hate the the fan-made holiday of N7 Day. Because I I know you're not the biggest fan of... uh, May the 4th as well. Well, you're really putting me on the spot here. I just think May the 4th is kind of silly. I don't, you know, <laughs> hatred is maybe is too strong of a word. <laughs> Did I say hate? I didn't. I was trying just to lean more into like it, it annoys you that you said fans hate. make such a big uh, well, fans. Uh, anno- uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> it bothers them that fans have made such a, a ridiculous holiday, especially when they try to stretch it out over like seven days. Yeah, it's not just it's not just May the fourth becomes Revenge of the Fifth, and it's like if you're going to have a day, you get a day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk Mass Effect, Dan. As the guest, we'll start with you. How were you introduced to this franchise? 
Uh, first thing I want to say, when you said I gracious, graciously joined you, I've been so excited about this because I love I love Mass Effect. So I played it cool, I think. So thank you for having me on for this episode. Um, Mass Effect, it was actually Mass Effect was the reason I got into console gaming. So I was happily going along on my PC sort of in the early 2000s. Then sort of towards around the 2006, 2007 mark, it was chugging along. I didn't really have the funds to kind of upgrade it. Um, and so looking at consoles and yeah, I was kind of jealous that Mass Effect had come out on the on the consoles because I was a huge role playing uh, RPG fan. So I loved Oblivion. I played that to, to death on the PC. Knights of the Old Republic, uh, again, kind of loved those games. You know that meme with the the boyfriend and the, and his, with his girlfriend <laughs> looking behind. It was kind of like that, looking over my shoulder at the consoles. So um, walking along with the giant PC. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. And it was my partner. She actually she eventually looked. She goes, Look, I'm fed up of you always searching for like the requirements on the back of the boxes in the shop. She goes, Just get yourself a console. So yeah, so it was I bought the three sixty. And that's when you in- immediately went and bought an engagement ring too, right? <laughs> <laughs> well well, no, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> But but yeah, um, 2008, so I was a year late to the party with the game, but I got that along with, it was a GTA 4 and Bioshock, because those were the three games, must-have games for me. Um, I want it, but yeah, it was, so Mass Effect was technically it's kind of like one of the first games and, and the reason for getting the, the 360 in the first place, yeah. Matt, how about you? How'd you get into Mass Effect? Well, I'm sort of on the other end of the spectrum where I've always been, you know, a, a console gamer at heart. Grew, grew up with SNES, NES. I was a big Xbox kid, <laughs> OG Xbox. Uh, so I had played the original Knights of the Old Republic and really enjoyed it. But I, I I didn't really follow Bioware after that. And it was really just, I think, I think, I think Mass Effect predates me working at GameStop. But I don't think it predates um, one of our friends from high school working at GameStop. Um, and I think he was the one who was like, Hey, you got to check this game out. It's looking really cool. And, you know, it's the guys that made KOTOR and KOTOR 2 and all that stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. I, I think I'd probably recently got a three, gotten a 360 and the rest is history, I suppose. <laughs> My story is pretty much the same as you, Matt, uh, our friend who worked at what was EB games at the time. Uh, you guys had played it and, I was like, what the hell are you guys even talking about? And you you explained it to me. I think we went to EB right after that. And our friend bought a copy for, or not bought, but like grabbed a copy from behind the counter. He's like, you're going to play it. And it was, like, it was already on the greatest hits. Um, I know this was, I think it was like 2008 or 2009 because it was greatest hits. I remember really enjoying it, but I never had a lot of time to play it. And then uh, my sister asked me to house it for her. And so I brought my 360 and just plugged it into her TV and basically played 40 hours of Mass Effect while she was on vacation while I was supposed to be like house sitting for her. And it it just blew me away. And I think that was one of the first games where I actually bought a strategy guide as well because I wanted to make sure I was doing everything I could in that game and just making sure like uh, there's one in the first Mass Effect where you're, uh, you have to find an, a rogue AI on the Citadel. But to solve the mission you have to enter in a certain password, but like how, how the hell are you supposed to know what the password is? It's like a B B X Y X Y a B B. And how are you supposed to know this besides trial and error and just continuing to reload the game? Stop me if you're not finished, but it occurs to me 
should we do we need to take a second and like explain what mass effect is <laughs> we kind of just rolled into it which is great it occurs to me some people might not even know <laughs> what we're talking about that is probably actually a good idea so uh dan would you like to do the honors it, with the british accent you know you guys are natural <laughs> storytellers yeah so mass effect is well it's there's a four part now but it's ultimately it's a three part i i i do it's, i know it's a cliche but it is almost like a space space soap opera um it's it's about a universe a galaxy of races different alien races pretty much at at, at loggerheads with each other you know that 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 is something that would come up you know in in, in some of my discussion a lot of the, the races just don't get along and there's this looming threat of this um ancient or or, or this um the, this race of aliens or creatures called the reapers that come around every fifty thousand years to wipe out you know civilization or, or particular civilizations um and it's the battle of the of our hero uh shepherd man ship or femme ship which will come later on to to discuss how, how fans affectionately know them but leading in each game pretty much a, a ragtag bunch of uh different characters into the battle against these these reapers um but you know i, I do have to stress how for me how much it is really that yes there's this battle raging and this looming threat of these reapers but it is a, 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 at its heart a story about relationships and and um yeah betrayal and and how people interact with each other for the time i feel like it's also a pretty big deal in terms of like the the whole pitch was that you know it's a choice based game to some degree it's a it's a role playing game where you're like going to these things you're going on these missions and occasionally you have do you kill this person do you spare them do you make this decision do you make that decision and the idea was the promise is that these choices will persist into the next game and the game after that which I felt, I feel like for me, and again, I, I was a console gamer, still am. I don't, so in terms of how this may have not been the case for PC gaming, I can't say, but it felt at the time very much like you're creating your own story and it's a persistent story that you, you didn't really see that much. I feel like that was, that was the first game that was really like, yeah, we're going to tell a story over multiple games, but also you're having an impact on it. And I think that, you know, in retrospect, there are ways when we could see how some of the expectations going in like that third game, maybe we're at loggerheads with the actual reality of game development. <laughs> but, you know, the idea is like, oh, you make this decision in the first game and then possibly in the third game, it comes back in some, in some fashion, big or small. So I feel like that's also part of what makes it so cool is it, you just didn't see anything like that, like that before. Yeah, and it it did. I have to say, it's probably one of the very few games where I do think, or I did anyway, think about the decisions I was making because it did feel like I was making a vital, yeah. a vital choice. Um, as I said, I think for me, one of the things is it is a huge story, and yeah, I did go along for the ride. I have to say, and it's also it's also interesting to think about like how much, how dense you're, you're talking about these different races and the cultures that are at loggerheads. Uh, that your word I keep now it's in my head <laughs> I keep saying it <laughs> but um, you know how how dense the the sort of lore was that they wrote like there's an there's an entire encyclopedia in each game this is like also the period where any kind of big multimedia thing almost certainly came with like novels movies comics all kinds of stuff where it's like if you really want to you could go 
for a time, you could go deep on this world, either within the game or without it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember going into the bookstore and there, you couldn't not see a Mass Effect novel or comic next to a Star Wars thing or any sci-fi shelf. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty impressive. I haven't actually read any of the Mass Effect comics or the novels just because I think Halo turned me off to any of those sort of extended lore ideas because it just seemed like such an undertaking and homework. I just want to enjoy the game. Right. I picked up actually because I I played through all all the games when they came out. And never really revisited them, even though I intended to, because, you know, part of that is that replayability. You can go back again. You can try different things. You can do whatever. But I never really did until I think it was last year they released the Legendary Collection, where it was all three games in one, had all the DLC, most of it. Um, And I took that opportunity to just go straight through all these games again. And when I was like at the height of my Mass Effect mania (laughs) again, Mm -hmm. Dark Horse has this collection of like, all the comics they published. So I bought it and just read them all in. I mean, they're okay. <laughs> they're all right. But I did read them all. With that, uh, Mass Effect, um, we've been introduced to it. Uh, the We have the original trilogy and then we have the spinoff of Andromeda. Um, one of the big things with this series is that humanity is kind of new to this expanded culture in, in space where they've just discovered the the mass relays which help them do like faster than like travel so like time dilation is never really an issue um and that that's kind of where the game really picks up is because the the established races species um kind of look down on humanity because humanity is supposed to be this big like reaching for the stars kind of species i'm going to be saying that a lot i'm sorry um a lot of species in the series (laughs) that they they try to gain power quickly which i mean humanity trying to gain power no way yeah so a lot of the other races look down on humanity because they think they're getting special treatment because they're trying to overreach where other races have been in this essentially starfleet kind of collaboration in uh, the citadel which is the hub for all uh spacefaring societies and humanity is just constantly trying to be like, Hey, we deserve to be part of this. We're here now. We deserve to be part of this. And one of that, those things that they want to be a part of is this special force space cop called a specter, which basically they have no real, um, no real guidelines for how they can act. They can investigate at their own impunity and there's no real repercussions for them except getting their title stripped. It's pretty much the most video game ass thing in this world. (laughs) Oh, by the way, every single one of these guys is just the coolest badass that can do whatever they want. And also, guess what? You are one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the decision to make them is just, yeah, exactly that. You're you're one now. Now you're not. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, uh, there there comes a story, as Dan was saying, uh, of a big galactic reckoning coming where... The Reapers are coming to wipe out advanced societies because society can only reach a certain point. And if it exceeds that point, it's going to collapse in on itself and just destroy everything, essentially. Which, Matt, I don't know if you remember, that was actually not going to be the original ending, if I recall. There was going to be kind of a gray area where, where the Reapers are actually building an army to fight off like dark space. 
if I recall. That I there's like a big subplot with Dark Space that leaked, and they ended up rewriting it into the ending in Mass Effect Three that we ended up getting. That I I do not recall, but I mean I would not be surprised. I think you know that's one of those things where I'm sure all kinds of this stuff. Three games over what, like five or six years, maybe more. I think there's probably all kinds of stuff that got rewritten, repurposed like that. Which feels then it would be odd because I think the story they they have done with this this looming threat, which unites them all and uh, you know and and helps them all do this, it feels like it's the most natural. I mean, yeah, it's probably probably been played out in other sci-fi franchises, but I think yeah, they did it so well, so it would it would yeah feel really odd now i know it's easy to say in hindsight but yeah it feels like they did if they stumbled upon it they stumbled upon it probably yeah, the better right. option there yeah i'm take this with a huge grain of salt because i, I feel like our buddy who matt matt my buddy matt's buddy uh who got us into the game uh, i remember him telling us about how the the ending had leaked uh where dark space was a thing and the original plan was to have advanced species essentially assimilate into a reaper so that they can continue the fight against dark space because dark space is contracting the the universe and the reapers are the only thing keeping that contraction from happening at a faster pace. I see. Um, well, so that, it's supposed to be a little bit more of a, that is something that like factors into one of the ultimate endings in mass effect three is this idea that the compromise is like, maybe there should be some merging of, that you know i don't i don't know if we said the reapers are like a mechanical like an ancient mechanical species they're like a super board kind of except instead of wanting to like assimilate people into their collective they want to obliterate all um organic life essentially or like all like after a certain level it's like it's it's like they're again to bring to star trek it's like the reverse prime directive where it's like oh you you've gotten to this level of society okay you're out (laughs) and like somebody who is now currently in like a much lower process of development they will be the guys who in fifty thousand years will erase them (laughs) when they when they become space people or whatever they are so that and there there's like one of the endings of mass effect 3 is this idea that like oh maybe they should maybe the the answer is less one destroys the other and it's more we merge together as sort of a the singularity kind of basically yeah where have you guys seen other influences of mass effect in gaming or in multimedia in general i think i think as matt was saying i think the whole choice driven thing i'm, I'm not going to say it's necessarily first but i think that was really i think the one that really turned people onto that kind of that game and also the whole paragon renegade good evil so i think knights of the old republic to be fair did do it beforehand but i don't think that necessarily had the wider audience that mass effect did you know sort of the the, the wide appeal for that so i think for me i think that is really where the choices have consequences and choices carry over i think that is i think for me it's probably kicked off from that yeah, that and it's, it's interesting because I don't know, and maybe maybe there's some example that's not springing to mind. I don't know necessarily that Mass Effect itself had a huge impact so much as like, I don't want to say it didn't have a huge impact, but I mean, in terms of like, a lot of the stuff it was doing was stuff that was like sort of in the water at the time, right? Like, you know, you have Bioshock coming out that also has that choice element where you can be the nice guy, you can be the most monstrous person in the world in the, on the planet, or in the ocean in that case um things like you know the first game is a lot more 
you know, it feels more in that KOTOR vein where it's more of an RPG. You're putting points in things. You're really working about like your equipment and your inventory and stuff. And then as the successive games come out, they become that element's sort of always there, but it becomes more action oriented where it's taking more cues from like shooting games, which are also kind of, is also kind of what's in the water gaming wise at the time. You know, this is like the area where like, you know, cut the cover shooter is big gears of war, Resident Evil four, stuff like that. So it's, it's tough because it it's, it's one of those things where I, I can see, you can see all kinds of stuff that comes from it. I think there's a lot of like the, the, the narrative stuff that is probably this idea that the games can be like this big operatic thing. You can kind of see the influences on it and from it, right? Where it's like, I don't know. It's 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 sort of almost emblematic of where the gaming industry was at for those, I don't know, however many years between Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect Andromeda. And, and I'm also can't remember at the time, but obviously the whole relationship, um, as in romance relationship, that was quite big in the game. And I think that felt unusual because yeah okay fable you could marry one of the characters and obviously you got the sims but they all felt very it is a task you just none of them were characters (laughs) yeah yeah and it felt like the 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 actual uh relationship element of this game and it carries through all three felt far stronger than i think i'd seen in in other games the romance options one having multiple romance options with characters that actually impact the story so heavily uh, or can impact them. Uh, that is something that was really interesting. And then uh, again, the the idea that you can save one or the other, and the game continues. Like usually, it's it's never in most video games. It's a lot more simple, where it's like you either save the person or you finish the mission, and there's something with that. But the idea of the ripple effect of like, oh, you're gonna save Ashley and kill Caden, or vice versa, and then uh, just little things like in the first mass effect, if you don't find Rex's armor, he ends up dying in at the end, towards the end of the game. And then Rex is gone for the next two games. And it, it's a really fun and interesting ripple effect because it, it encourages you to go out into the galaxy and see the world as they've created it and not just go, okay, this is the main mission line. I don't care about anything else. Let's get this over with. Yeah, like I think that if you are just playing those games straight through where you're going story mission to story mission, you know, I don't want to say that it is a bad game, but I think that's not like the stuff that is the best about it, right? Like if we're thinking about the impact that it's had, I really do think, and again, like like you said, Daniel, other games have done this before, but I don't know that at the maybe maybe it's the the scale or the you know, but the, a big AAA game where so much of the game is you're going back to your base or your ship and you're like spending time. Oh, I've got eight crew members. Next 45 minutes are me just talking to them. And, you know, maybe there's the option to flirt with one. Maybe there's an option to like tell them to fuck off or whatever, <laughs> you know, like all kinds of like and learning about their backstories and stuff, I think is is maybe the character work, the storytelling that's sort of encouraging you to do things that are not just go to this warehouse and shoot the guys until the cutscene says to go to the next warehouse, right. Is, is kind of like, that's, yeah. that's where the meat of the game is. I think for so many people and why it resonates so well, cause it's like, you know, you are building your character and part of the way you're doing that is the relationships with these characters and the choices you're making and talking to them. And if, if, um, you know, especially the second game, if you don't go talk to the characters, I think Josh, as you were saying, you're going to miss out probably a good 25% of the game. 
because you won't get the missions. Yeah, uh, that's that come yeah, from and that. you know, if you haven't played it, that second game is based on like you know you're recruited for this big suicide mission, and part of the game is like recruiting all your teammates, and then at the end of the game, you do the suicide mission, and you have you know there's all these numbers in the background that are kind of judging how well you're going to do, how many people you're going to lose, and like over the course of the game, you have all these opportunities where it's like, oh, so-and-so says I need to go take care of like this thing with my dad or I'm never going to be able to like get over it. And if you didn't do that, odds are that character is going to die because like you didn't take the time to like go and do technically. Which is fine. Jacob sucks. Let's not do that. (laughs) Uh, You know, you you know, um, it's technically optional, but it's also not optional. You know, if you're trying to get this, if you're, it's and it's sort of an interesting way. The thing I was just talking about, where it like kind of mechanicalizes that sort of relationship building, where it like it builds into the events of the game. It's not just oh, my side quest to get my armor or whatever. It's I'm going to resolve my issues, and also that means I'm going to be better for you in the end of the game and change the ending, and then the next game depending on it. And yeah, the the second game I would say is pretty much ninety five percent. Build, building up a friendship and then five percent yeah, defeat yeah. in the final boss right and and that's the thing yeah for, for for like people who aren't familiar yeah you you get your characters you recruit them and then there's the loyalty mission and if you think about it it does make sense because it, you, you want them to be loyal to you to go in because you that, that the end mission is called the suicide mission so it's like yeah you want them yeah. to be on your side right which those loyalty missions even though you do have to run through most of them if not all of them to progress the game but you can still just kind of have the character, your character, your shepherd, tell the guy to just fuck off, essentially, because like speaking of the Jacob mission where you go find his dad, who essentially is running a Lord of the Flies situation, you can either like have Jacob kill him or you can kill him yourself or you can be like, hey, we're going to bring you in because you've just performed an atrocious act against humanity. We're gonna, You're going to stand trial, but then he'll eventually kill himself anyway. And uh depending on how you act in that and in the aftermath, Jacob could become loyal to you and maybe he'll survive the final mission or he can not, he can just be like, Oh, Shepard, you suck. I hate you. And he'll definitely die in that case. Yeah. That's the interesting thing too, where you have these loyalty missions that are like, this is their story wrapping up, but also you have, usually there's some kind of decision near the end of the thing that is like, okay, are you actually going to become loyal or are you going to like, it's sort of like it's it's sort of like the the Paragon Renegade system in mic, Microcosm, where it's like, are you going to nuke the planet or are you going to pet a puppy? <laughs> where this one is like, are you going to like save this guy's life or are you going to tell him to kill himself? Like, that's going to decide how he feels about you. But um, yeah, so it, that, it all gets back to those things where it's like you're just making ch- choices, and it's really about building the character as you see them in your head, um, even if like you know even if at the end of that Jacob mission, no matter what you do, his dad ends up dead because that's the outcome that they that's really, for. Yeah. It doesn't matter because it's about, okay, that's who my shepherd is. And that's my, his relationship with Jacob in this case or Liara or Rex or whoever. While we're on the subject of the crew members and loyalty missions, is there anyone throughout the franchise that you guys are just like, Nope, not bringing them on board my ship. Nope, not, not, I don't want them to be part of my team. Anyone like that for you guys, or are you guys a little more balanced? Well, I can answer this question with a long-winded story, as is my way. Not and not a story about Mass Effect, but about Knights of the Old Republic. 
when I I played Knights of the Old Republic and I was just doing my thing. I'm a dumb little kid. I think it came out when we were in high school. And then I got to the end of the game and I realized I missed the mission where you get, what is it, HK-47? Yeah. So I like most of the game without like the best character in the game, essentially. And I went, oh, shit. <laughs> because of that like formative moment for me as a true gamer, the answer is no. <laughs> Everybody comes on the ship, no matter how shitty they are. <laughs> because what if I miss them? <laughs> what if they're actually cool? I think for me, I think Josh. I think we've had a couple of chats through uh, through Twitter, but um, in in definitely for me in the first game, Caden doesn't make the cut. I feel bad for him. He, he hasn't. He doesn't do anything to offend me directly, but it's just he he doesn't make the cut. I think um, I have I have alternated in the past, and when we talk about our playthroughs, uh, I'll, I'll probably mention why. But um, I think Ashley, while she's not necessarily the nicest of characters i think there's some interesting wrinkles to to kind of like the relationship you can have with with shepherd uh, as the game goes on um and i've actually kind of recently done a playthrough i'm currently on the third one at the moment um and it, yeah it really comes to the fore there um the the only other character but i think it's they just don't do enough with him is i think uh zaid in oh yeah the second game he just feels he he was a DLC character if I if I remember correctly, and he's just angry angry man who's there. He just he, he's just Mister Angry. That's all he is, and and yeah, it just feels like there's a lot of backstory to him, um, but yeah. you don't see it, and you and and you you actually deny him his revenge. You you let like Garrus and everyone else have their revenge and their missions, but you tell him he can't have his if you want yeah. him lost. So yeah, so yeah, it's interesting me. also because that's another thing that's like about how it's reflecting where the games are at the time. He is a DLC character that you got, but only if you bought the game brand new, because that was when EA was like, we're going to sweeten the pot so you don't buy it used. And if you buy it used, you have to like pay extra to get stuff. Um, so like you can see maybe they were just like, oh, well, we don't have time to like <laughs> flesh this guy out because he's just going to be a throwaway DLC character. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you're right. He's like a really, you know, he's not a good guy. <laughs> he's a very interesting guy. <laughs> I, I I made this decision in 2007 with between Ashley and Caden, but for me again as a as a dumb little, I guess I wasn't in high school anymore, but as a dumb little shithead, I was like, oh she's racist, but she's also the pretty lady that maybe I'm trying to romance. <laughs> so, <laughs> asked me was like, yeah I'll get rid of the wet the piece of white bread in favor of the. <laughs> yeah, Caden uh, always gets killed for me uh sorry to my friend sarah if you're listening um i know you love caden but he's just so boring i just cannot and will not talk to him if i don't have to it really is an interesting trick that first game does where it's like here we're gonna start you out you know you're gonna f this whole big cast of interesting alien characters we're gonna start you out with two of the worst characters in the game <laughs> and there's yes. different reasons yeah, that's one so true. is just horrible alien supremacist or human supremacist rather the other one is you might as well just be a loaf of bread <laughs> <laughs> yep and then zaid yeah i zaid is one that i never cared about because as a dlc character he really has no impact on the end of the game anyway whereas if you were to but if you lose tally or legion then th there is a, a big impact at the end of the second game as well as an impact into the third game 
because stories will progress differently and maybe you won't have success in some some areas. Um, yeah, yeah Zaid is probably one of the more one-dimensional characters in the entire franchise. Yeah, and some of these characters, we should note that like, you know, you have characters that you'll meet in the first game and will show up in major roles throughout all three games. Like I think Tally is a, a crew member in all three games as opposed to, like you say, like Liar is not, she's a major character, but she's not a teammate in that second game. You know, Zaid is maybe not a teammate in any of the games if you bought it used or whatever. Um, so it's interesting, like how some of these characters are emphasized and not, and how their absence makes a bigger deal than others might be. Just a long window way of what you just said. Yeah. And that actually, um, that's something that I found really interesting when they were releasing Mass Effect 2. Uh, they had released like a quick, like mi- interactive comic that you could download as a DLC, f- uh, free DLC uh, on your system where you basically got to make all the big choices throughout the game and you get the story of the first game without having to play it. Or if you just wanted to boot up the game, you can make the choices right then and there. So like, what did you do with the Citadel? I blew it up. Uh, what did you do with Caden? I think originally it did not come out on the PS3. So like if correct when Mass Effect 2 comes out on the PS3, they're like, we have to find someone to shore it up for those people that didn't buy an Xbox or whatever. Yeah, which again, I thought it was, it was a, a cool way of, getting people involved in understanding the choice-based dynamic of the game. Yeah. So there, there is a bastard child in this franchise. Not that I think it should be considered as such, but the, the internet does not care for it. Um, which I mean, it made for some great, uh, memes and, uh, glitch videos, but overall, like what was your, either of your, uh, experiences with mass effect Andromeda? I'm going to admit, I've only played it once. Now, that's not because I didn't like it. It's just because of time, generally. But I went to it probably six or seven months after it was released. And I remember having a good time with it. I I don't think I was as taken with it as the first three. Um, But I think it suffers from the the first three games are so great. There's a whole world build up that we haven't even mentioned. Kind of like the Normandy, the ship feels like a character in itself as well. And so you're you're trying to you're trying to create a new a spin-off with in a, in a new world, and I think people just wanted probably more of the same. But I, I remember that the gameplay felt really good. I, I kind of went along with with the story. I, I remember sort of having that. Oh, let's just yeah. do the one more mission. Um, and I didn't think it was as bad as I was I was expecting it to be when I got to it. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's interesting. I, I mostly agree fully like i i played it and i was like this is this is good i think story-wise it's probably not as good as like you said the previous games but it's interesting how much the internet hates it because i feel like there's a there are like a few things that really hold it back and like just have sort of crystallized in the minds of like the internet at large like you know first of all i think there were some probably i think has come out since then there were some genuine development issues that like caused some bumpiness but also like, you know, the game ships with this, all kinds of bugs. So what happens is like, they send it to streamers, reviewers, influencers, whatever, who then make a bunch of videos about, look at how crazy it is when I walk through a door and my, I go flying across the room or whatever the hell, Yeah. which is all fixed, which is all fixed by like a day one patch. Right. So, so like before the game's even out, you have this thing where people are like, oh God, it's such a broken mess. Why would I play it? 
but also like you know this is 2017 right we're just a few years after gamergate so like immediately as soon as it's being marketed you have this like vocal set of people who are like they destroyed the game because such and such lady isn't hot enough or whatever like i can't believe it's going so woke even though that wasn't the term they would use then so it's like it's such an interesting kind of case where you have all these like weird things that get thrown in the pot that make i think people just hate it before they even really played it on top of like i think unrealistic expectations about like this game means so much to me it told this big story over three games and now it's telling a story that's maybe not as good but maybe it's setting up some stuff and i think people will just like it was the first it was the first mass effect game all the, the previous three games were on the xbox 360 and ps3 this was xbox one and ps4 so i think a lot of people just had this sense of like what a next gen mass effect game would be that were like not realistic um but i think like ultimately it's a fine game a lot of it is like a natural evolution from like where mass effect 3 ends up like if you play Dragon Age Inquisition, which is in a similar position for Bioware's other series, Dragon Age, they feel like they're very similar on like a very similar trajectory, right? Where like they don't feel that different to play, I don't think, but one is praised and one is like because of all kinds of reasons. It's the worst game I've ever played. What a joke. Worst game of 2017. Yeah, I only ever really encountered uh two glitches in the game. One was a weird, like one of the weird dinosaur guys ended up just like floating in the air. And like it didn't affect the game at all. Like I could shoot it. It couldn't hurt me, but it was just stuck in the air, which I have a picture of that on my socials somewhere. And then uh, my my writer character took a drink out of her ear. <laughs> um, she like literally just turned her head and, and just poured it down her, her ear gullet. But other than that, the game played fine. I, I played it on my PS4 and it I enjoyed it. Uh, I think the story did hurt a little bit because it is more about like colonization and settling than it is about uh, a bigger threat really until you get towards the the latter half of the game and like the final mission of the game it feels like you're finally getting set up for something bigger and then it's like game's over maybe dlc well you can tell that they really are trying to set themselves up for another series right Where like you know they're they're trying to separate themselves from the main series story-wise so they don't have to deal with like what ending did you choose what characters were alive all that stuff. Yeah. Which the game takes place in between mass effect two and three, essentially <laughs> like uh, the, these ships uh, leave earth and uh, the, the Milky way solar system in the middle of mass effect two and three, just in case uh, commander Shepard is right. And the Reapers are coming to wipe out humanity and all sentient species. So they, they all send their own little arcs to the Andromeda galaxy and uh, they're going to just establish new setups. So it's taking place in between two and three, but also like 50,000 years into the future because like the it takes that long to get there. The last thing the characters remember is like Mass Effect 1 and they depart then and then, but then for them, yeah. they've been in stasis for centuries. So it's like, it's setting up this new status quo for these characters. It's setting up new characters and like setting up a new threat. So it's doing all kinds of things where you can tell they they is, they are hoping for more games or DLC, but they just don't get there because the game was so unfairly maligned where, you know, is it like a, a blockbuster? I don't think so, but it, it doesn't deserve near as much hate as it got. Like you can go, like I said, you can go back to video, like YouTubers in the beginning of 2018, like 
claiming it was the worst game of 2017. And it is categorically not. It's like, it is fine at, at worst. And and that's the thing. And, that, and that's what I found really curious, right? I, I just wondered if the critics jumped on that as the sole reason to want to hate the game because it's not Mass Effect 4. Because, you know, when Skyrim comes out, we all laughed at that, or the, or the press all laughed at that. Oh, look, it's another yeah. buggy game, but it's fine. It's just Bethesda. And then Red Dead Redemption, I think, had a whole heap of bugs. But again, it's fine. You know, it's an open world game. We, we could forgive that. Um, I, I've even got the, yeah, the, the Witcher in the Game of the Year edition, Witcher 3, is it? So many bugs in that. But it, it, it but it's fine again, you know. And, and it just seemed to be, uh, Andromeda just seemed to be that bait for everyone's hate when it came out. It's amazing. Yeah, and everyone like I like I was saying, everyone kind of overlooks how quickly they fixed it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just you know the people. Most of the people that played it were not the people that got review copies advance in advance of the release. And I'm of the opinion that if uh, it is not a bug that like destroys, like makes the game harder for you to enjoy, or like ruins your save file or whatever. Like if you're just walking around and then a character becomes like a weird monster man. That's funny. Like that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> now maybe you don't want bugs, but like when stuff like that happens, that's kind of like a gift. <laughs> I do. I do wonder if people were still hurt from the whole ending, whether you fall on the side of yeah, the, the, the fury there was justified or not. I, I, I think because that, that that was the end note of the original trilogy, and then the the, the next one comes out a, a buggy mess to quote you know probably the press of the time. I just wondered if it bled into that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case because, um, yeah, people people left Mass Effect 3 even before they did the extended edition ending. And I think people went in w- hoping that they could hate more on Mass Effect Andromeda because it got them their clicks and it got them all their attention. Yeah. And, and then, you know, just to, to summarize it quick, if anyone's listening to this and not familiar, this idea of Mass Effect as a game that is funneling your choices into the next game and the next game the third game ends with sort of like, you know, the derisive way to put it is that you're choosing between like three colors, three options, three doors that, you know, so a lot of people felt really frustrated. I think that it wasn't that the final choice that the, the ending did not take in like the full breadth of all what those choices mean for you, which like I understand, but also I think, if people really thought about it, they would realize that it, that is literally impossible for at least for like the Xbox 360 PS3 hardware and like the man hours it would take to factor in all that for development. But we don't you know, even have became, games like that now. We don't really have games. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, where it's like I can't believe that it didn't take my you know one in a million choice in consideration <laughs> when it was like uh, doing my final cutscene animation or whatever. Where so I think you know for better or worse it kind of soured some people on mass effect 3 if not the entire series so i think there's you're probably there's probably something to that where some people were coming in like ah, i was already sort of pissed at mass effect and then this game comes out and it's not you know curing yeah i for me I, I didn't hate the original ending even uh and then after they released the extended edition patch uh, I still didn't hate the idea of it. I understand what they're going for. What I really felt disappointed by was the fact that I had saved the Rachni, I had rebuilt the Krogan, I had done all this stuff. And when it came down to it and we were in the final mission, I never got to see any of that. 
a lot of the final battle, the final uh, bef- b- away from Shepard, all that last ditch effort to save the, the universe happens through a, a comm link. Yeah. And you're just hearing people like Shepard, this is happening. Shepard, this is happening. And I would have appreciated like one little cutscene where you an Avengers assemble kind of cutscene where you have the Rachni show up, you have them fighting alongside the Krogan. And I think that's something that you could have programmed in. Like you could have put something in there where you have the cutscene where everything happens and then you just have the data points pull for how the decisions were made. So like if you killed the Rachni in the first game, no Rachni in the final fight. It just they they do enough that you could have that. And I think that it's not too technically heavy. And if if they could have even just programmed that cutscene of where you just see everyone assembled for that battle, that's all I needed. I didn't need it to have an impact on my final three choices. I would have just liked to have seen everything come together in that moment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how a game development enough to know to like dispute you or agree with you, like whether or not that is feasible. It would depend on how technical someone wanted it to be, where it's like, you know, how do you factor in for someone who did save the Rachni but didn't recruit the Krogan versus someone who didn't and then did or didn't do either, you know, where you sort of like, I think there is a point, depending on what this what this cutscene theoretically it might be, where like the variables become so much that it's like we would have to factor in so much that even just doing that quick cutscene could theoretically become overburdening for the team, for the the machinery, for whatever. But that's again a thing where I know nothing about the technical aspects of game development. I barely know anything about any aspects of game development. <laughs> so I'm only just kind of guessing at like what I what little I know. And and I think actually between the three of us, the two things I think has made me realize is one, I don't think necessarily people hated the ending i think um josh you you kind of said what i was literally thinking at the time now i think we were so invested in the story that the ending let us down rather than it being a bad ending and i think it would be to use your analogy imagine yeah you're watching um endgame and the 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 battle's about to start and then it cuts and you get some still images and and this is what happened in the battle and this is what happened in the battle and this is how they won and this is what happened after you didn't see it happen and yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's taking that away. But yeah, I guess, uh, uh, um, Matt, as you are saying that, yeah, they probably fall down on the, the programming side of things. And it's like, well, let's get that extra sort of audio in <laughs> rather than an extra cutscene. And I think even the last sequence where like, if I'm remembering right, it's been at least a year since I played Mass Effect 3 now, you know, you're making the final push. And then no matter what happens, like the broad strokes are the same, right? Where it like, probably for technical reasons, it is funneling you into this one situation because like where basically Shepard gets his shit wrecked and then he has to make the final choice while he's dying, basically not necessarily dying. There's an ending where he can survive or they can survive. She can survive. But that's sort of like the thing where there's all kinds of story variables throughout, like at the weight of these three games. And then ultimately what they, what they do is they winnow all of it down to just, here you are, make a choice. And I would I would guess that some of that is because trying to factor in even a fraction of that is probably like mind-boggling. <laughs> I've actually got my, my take on the ending would be is and and I, you know, again, I don't know how it would work for scripting for the, the actual end result of the game, but it needed to finish about 10 minutes beforehand. You know, there's a scene where 
Shepard and Anderson are slumped. I think they've seen off the elusive man. And there's quite an emotional bit where Anderson's saying, you know, I'm proud of you, son. You've done it. And it's almost like if, and they're looking out into the, the, you know, into space. If it had ended there, I think for me, perfect ending. Emotional. Sure, then you yeah. could do a little recap of what happened. But that, that for me would have been the perfect ending. Is that before the little ghost boy shows up? Before yeah. Before the actual show? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's uh, Anderson's goodbye, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And then you kind of wake up and then you're taken yeah, by the little ghost boy yeah, to the three doors. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think like just making it more, not quite a binary choice, but I think, I think there's three choices. So literally not a binary choice, but basically funneling it down into those is something that frustrated people where it's like, oh, I did all this for these three games and it boils down to A, B or C. And, you know, for better or worse, that's about expectations, right? We're like, you you have this idea of what it's going to be in your head and then you get there and it's not that so you get pissed maybe <laughs> you could like have what josh sorry what you were saying have it almost like uh it's it's a wonderful life ending where where shepherd does die and the little ghost boy takes and said look what you've done and let's not forget also with mass effect 3 i don't want to turn this into like a this this is how mass effect 3 sucks because i i don't think it sucks no. i enjoy the the trilogy immensely um but like when Mass Effect 3 first came out, they were also implementing an online feature where if you played online with friends, you basically built up your in-story arsenal so that you were more well-prepared to attack the Reapers. The multiplayer was fun, in my opinion. I thought the four-player horde mode task-based assignments was fun, and it, it was a great way to get you familiar with enemies and increasing difficulty levels. And I, I put a lot of time into that. Yep. That was a lot of fun. But again, like you're putting time into this multiplayer mode that essentially means nothing at the end of the game. They make they tell you that it does, but it, it kind of doesn't. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because one of the things I researched a little bit while I was replaying the series, that galactic readiness score determines how good of an ending you get. Basically, like the endings all kind of are the same, but especially with the there's an ending where like the Geth survive and Shepard survives. And all of that is some weird calculation based on the side quests you do, the loyalty missions you've done divided by like your score in multiplayer or whatever. So like it, it, it does. And I think it's, it's a, it's kind of a sharp way to implement multiplayer at a time when like all games, that was the thing where like, because of call of duty, every franchise was like, we got to have a multiplayer element for better or worse. So it's like it is an interesting kind of footnote because like this that doesn't really happen anymore. And even when it does, you never see it influencing the single player mode like this. You're right, but also there is some impact. So it's not like just straight up lying to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I've got a few other questions here, uh, unless you guys want to keep kind of talking about other things. But uh, did you prefer to do the Paragon role or the Renegade role throughout the four games? I did both. When I the original games, I would play through as a. It was always it's weird how it felt. It was a male paragon, and then I would play through straight after as a female renegade. You know, just to to experience. I would me. do the exact opposite. Actually, <laughs> I do female paragon, male renegade. I think I'm one of those people who, in games, where most of the time, if it's giving me the option, I'm going to be nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Both times I've played through the the, the trilogy, I have been mostly paragon although there are probably some of like the more interesting renegade choices i made like you know sometimes 
when you're in a conversation with someone, the prompt will pop up and it's, if you go for it, Shepard will punch someone in the face or whatever, <laughs> pull a gun on them. Or sometimes I might've done that, but overall I'm a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd say the last few times I've played it, I always think I'm going to do a, par- um, a renegade run through. I can't. And then in fact, I if I, <laughs> yeah, if I come out of a conversation and, and it says I've picked up some uh, renegade points, I'm, I'm like, why, what did I do? What did I, who did I upset? Well, especially in the second game where it's like, Oh, by the way, if you're an evil bastard, you're going to become a scarred monster. <laughs> Like, no, no, thank you. Which I think through one of the DLCs, you actually can upgrade your med bay and you can clear all that up yeah. too. Yeah. I, I now have to say, I was going to say, I now have to play as a male paragon. And the reason why I say I have to is my partner now, um, you know, since we moved house a little while ago, sort of we've got like, um, I, I can't, I don't have my own room to game in. So, so it's like I come and do the TV. And it's amazing, right? The, what I say, why I always think it's a great game because I've played it, I know it inside out, is when, when I'm playing it, she'll be doing something and then she'll start watching it and she'll actually sit down and watch me play it because she gets so caught up in the story. But now because the one time she saw me play it a few years ago, it was as male paragon, I have to do that because that's her ship now as well. So <laughs> I have to keep doing it like that. I actually tried playing with Ricky not that long ago. I think when the Legendary Edition came out, I'm like, I've played this series so many times. How about you make the choices and see what happens? And she just got like paralyzed with fear because she's like, I can't make those choices. I'm like I'm playing the game. I'm the one that is going to have to deal with the ramifications. You just make the choice. She's like, nope, too much responsibility. Nope. I'll go take care of the kids. You make the choices in the game. Yeah. You do the serious stuff, Josh. <laughs> For as much as it's based on choice, it is very much in vogue of the time where the options are be the most peaceful person in the world or be the most evil bastard in the world. Like Fallout 3 comes out and it's like, oh, do you want to nuke this town for no reason? Or do you not (laughs) want to do that? (laughs) Those are the kind of morality options that games were working with at the time. The funny thing is, though, there are still some, it's it's weird, even if you are playing it as as, uh, like the good good person, the paragon, there are some weird things, anomalies that crop up. Like um, I love in, in the second game where you record the message for the shop owners. So you're each you're going into each one, and you're saying, oh, tell, "Give me a discount, or else," you know. Yeah. And so you record that message. This is I'm I'm Commander Chevron. This is my favorite shop in the sit there. So all the shops are playing that, and it's like, yep. how, how, have a conscience, right? You're supposed to be a paragon. Yeah. <laughs> and, you got to save those credits where you can. And, and there's another mission where you're going into like the, um, the the like the built up area where the the virus is going around on Omega, I think, yeah. and um. You go into a room and there's two looters and they're looting a dead person. You give them a lecture. And so you then send them off. And then there's a wall safe on the wall. You go empty that, you know, in the same way. You pick up the credits from there. And it's it's just the weird little things that creep up like that. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of cognitive. And those little things don't affect your Paragon or Renegade no. meter either. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like when you're in any... I told them off. That's all that, that's all that really matters. Yeah. Ludonarrative dissonance, I think they call that. <laughs> <laughs> So do you guys have a favorite crew member? I know a lot of people love Garrus. I never actually understood the love for Garrus. I, he was one like he was, I always played as a soldier, so I never really needed Garrus, which I know the soldier profile is kind of the milk toast. It's the Caden Alenko of the, the classes <laughs> that you can play as. Uh, I just, I always prefer shooting. Cause I don't know the, the essentially mage classes just never really I never got the hang of it, at least through Mass Effect 1. 
uh, in Mass Effect 2 and 3, I think they refined it really well. I think the Garrison, I look at it, a lot of the times I look at it, as I say, through my partner's eyes, I think the the, the love for Garrus, because she, she, she picks Garrus and Rex, and I think it's because they are, I think the relationship with the, the Shepard character can be quite good is in friends they like especially with garris it feels like they've been through the same kind of stuff that and 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 they can back each other up it feels like that's why that's there um for me god i want to choose two or three i actually like if, if we if we pick the main the main crew i think i really like morden i think he's yeah. got a fascinating story you know created the genophage for the krogans which very quickly for people it's like the, the krogans were basically a, a race built for war and yeah, the, the, they invented this disease to kind of um, yeah make them infertile, wasn't it? To stop yeah. Um, yeah, and so he then realizes his mistake and he's trying to you know create the cure. Then he's trying to reverse that. Um, and yeah, and it, you know, and I've literally just played it last night. You know, there's a, there's a, the heartbreaking line where just he, he kind of says, "Oh, what are you going to do after this, Morden?" He goes, "I don't know. I'll have a sort of it might retire to the seaside and investigate seashells." You know, not think, and then you know, we know what happens to him. Um, so I think Morden's interesting, but also Javik in Mass Effect Three, which yeah, yeah. weirdly he was DLC as well. If you think about it. Yep. Originally, so a lot of people wouldn't have ever. That him. was another one that people were pissed about because he, he does kind of have a significant role if you actually get that DLC. Yeah, absolutely, he was another one that was like packed in with the game. So like, if that's why that's them being like, if you bought it new, you'd have this really yeah. important story thing. But you know, and his importance is that he's one of the you know the the Prophians who was the original race who was wiped out um, sort of fifty thousand years earlier. Um, but yeah, like you said. Uh, Josh, if you if you've got him and you bring him along, there's a lot of interesting things he he kind of says. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to say between Morden and Javik, and if I could have a third, <laughs> <laughs> um, again a, a a random choice though I think is um Kasumi because yeah. mm-hmm. I like Kasumi a lot. Yeah, while she's not fleshed out, I love her side mission. It's more like a you feel like you're a James Bond in that. You've got to infiltrate that party and find this and that. And and her story isn't just, oh, I hate these people. These people killed some of my my people. It's it's almost like a love story. You're helping her get over that grief by you know um, picking up that 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 grey box or, or whatever of her ex her ex lover. And so yeah, grey box. Yeah, and she and she just comes across as if that felt like a character that could have had a lot of the background mind. I think you know it's. Yeah, and Kasumi is one of those characters who, like, she's DLC, but she was one of the ones who was like, okay, now you have to pay for it, no matter how you yeah. bought the game. So I only played that that whole storyline for the first time last year when I was going through. I think she shows up in two, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just such a fun little mission because it's like you're just in a space and you're trying to, like, you know, figure out who your who your target is or whatever. So like you said, James Bond is on point where it's like you're mingling, you're you know, searching this area without trying to seem like you're standing out too much. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, and she's got a little bit of like a, a black cat kind of feel to her as well, where she's really flirty, but you don't know if she's got ulterior motives. So yeah, there's a little yeah, intrigue with nice her as well. Beef, yeah. Yeah. For me, I think my le- my favorite crew member, I feel like has to be Either Liara or uh, Grunt, actually. Um, I don't know. I, I like Grunt because he 
he's that pure he is a pure krogan and uh he's also voiced by steve bloom so like <laughs> there's just i i enjoy steve bloom a lot and his performance is just a lot of fun and uh what he brings once you get rex into mass effect 2 it, it like he's going through puberty and so you have to go through this <laughs> giant battle is a lot of fun and i i think that uh while he's a very one note character helping him learn who he is and like understanding the krogan better through him was really interesting yeah it's so hard to choose i to your original point josh i like garris just because i think daniel alluded to this a little bit where he's just like a seems like a good bro <laughs> like, <yeah>. him, <laughs> like his his role is and this is sort of exemplified in his like one of his final scenes not final scenes but one of his big scenes in mass effect 3 is just shepherd and garris hanging out so like he is you know, he's a cool looking guy. He's kind of a slick, charming dude who's your best bro, which is kind of just a kind of a cool character. Although when I played it last year, I did note how much of a cop he is. Like he is just <laughs> such a cop. <laughs> um, um, speaking of the last moments that you really get to spend with Garrus, uh, do you let him win the shootout competition? No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm the hero. <laughs> it's weird how that is a difficult decision though sometimes i'm like do i let him win or not <laughs> yeah, do i let my friend win because we might not see each other tomorrow or do i show him how good i am i don't want him to tell have him too much confidence <laughs> he goes into that knowing how good he has to be um but i both times i played the, the trilogy like overall I romance Liara. And even though this second time in the legendary edition, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try some other options. And then just, well, I, I have the heart wants the heart wants, you know, so, <laughs> um, I don't I'm know that. She, like, Sorry. I yeah. was just going to say, I'm the same. And I think that's because she is again, another well-rounded, well-written character. I think. Yeah. I, I think they, they yeah. <laughs> like you were talking about Daniel. There's so many, like Morden is, is great. He is, a weird eugenicist but he's a weird eugenicist with a heart of gold <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, even jack i i was toying with the idea of uh, jack and and because uh, if you think about it that's quite a dark storyline for her as well yeah she's a character who was like tormented and and like experimented on yeah to, like give her powers or test her powers or whatever but you know she wants yeah, to, no, she wants to live in the basement ultimately of the of the ship as well and yeah. and then the turnaround to the third game you know, where she's then a teacher at the school for yeah. the gifted kids. And, you know, I think that's, again, it's, it goes back to what we're saying. You just wish there was more. Obviously, I know that it's physically you can't, but there's a, there's a real good story in that character. I think, I think Miranda's very cool in Mass Effect 2 and to a lesser extent 3, even though, like, you know, she is definitely there in this game comes out in, what, 2010? She's like the character that's like, hey, here's the hot lady, yeah. you know? Yeah. before we patched it out here there's a bunch of sh butt shots whenever you talk to her <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. um, but she's like also like an interesting character in her own right don't make me choose i can't choose yeah. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> your answer is joker then okay actually he sucks though like i played last year and i was like joker sucks man <laughs> sometimes you just gotta fly the ship dude <laughs> all right do you guys have a least Ashley. favorite crew member for me it's caden like caden Caden for me is the worst. Like Ashley, yeah, she's a space racist, but she's compelling in her racism, I guess. Whereas Caden's just make a really good sound bite. Like we said, a, a loaf of bread. <laughs> she's compelling in her racism. 
I've already got one from each game. It'll be it'll be Caden in the first. Um, I think it'll be Jacob in the second. And I'm not a huge fan of um, Vega in the third. Yeah, it's, 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 I don't think anyone's really a big fan of Vega. Because those are those are all kind of the same kind of flavor of character, right? Where they're all yeah. supposed to be yeah. like the normal guy, the regular human. And I, I think I think of all of them, Jacob is probably like the best of them, just because like he's you know he's a normal guy, he's kind of boring, but like he's kind of charming in his in his way. Um, and then you have like Vega who shows up and he's like, "Yo, bro, Chacho, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna do some push ups or whatever." Um, but yeah, so I think I would agree with that. He, yeah, the, the human guy is the worst. Yeah, I was gonna say special mention for me for the. I think it's in the second game. The chef on the Normandy. I mean, you're trying to stop the reapers, and he wants you to buy potatoes and onions. To <laughs> hey, that could that could make or break your galactic readiness score. You uh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I have for talking points. Um, do you guys have anything else that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, do you have an order of games? Do, do you have an order of 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 preference for the games? I would say two, one, three. That's what I've got. Yeah, I think I think that's probably me too. Although I think it might, you know, I think one and three might change places depending on like what I'm considering. Because I think one is more of that old school CRPG, which is great. But sometimes when I'm, if depending on my mood, the more action oriented cinematic stuff of three might feel better. But I think two overall is still the best one. I feel like it's a cliche to say it, but it's because partially because that's. The Empire Strikes Back of this of the set, right? Where it's just about raising the stakes and it doesn't have to come down from the stakes because they're setting up for another one, you know? I, I just want to say, Josh, again, thanks for, for having me on to this. I, I just wish people could say, look, just go play them if you haven't because you can't distill this down into an hour. I mean, you know, there were so yeah, right. many memorable yeah. missions. Yeah, I mean... You know, we haven't even mentioned the random things that can happen. Like, is it Conrad Werner, who's a random side character you don't even have to interact <laughs> yeah, with? Yeah, that's stupid piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, but but if you do, he have features. When I played it last year, you know, when I first played it, I did everything with that guy. And then when I played it last year, I, I talked to him once. And then I realized midway through the second game, I was like, wait a second, I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But but there are so many things that stick out, and, and like the, the last thing I'll say before I, I will then shut up is like um again I think it's in the second one it's the is it the guy whose brother I, I I assume he's got is it autism or something but he's like a super genius and his brother has then got him tied up in this machine with all tubes to him to to try get him linked with a VI like linking with an AI the Overlord DLC that's, from Mass Effect Two yeah. And that gets me every time. And then, but when you see him then in three, depending on obviously what what you do, where you send him, you'll see him in three. And it's like, yes, I'm so glad I did that. And I'm so glad I've seen him and he's got the, 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 the happy ending. So there are so many moments like that. That's another one where like, if you haven't played that, I, I think I was aware of the DLCs after Mass Effect 2 came out, but I never played them when they were first coming out. I think if you get to three, there's a point where that guy shows up and he's like, if you didn't do it, he's like, oh yeah, I was like a guy who made my brother and overlord and he died and everybody died and everything was bad because i didn't have a commander shepherd there to, <laughs> to save the day <laughs> very funny how many like these characters show up and they're like oh yeah i had a cool adventure that sucked because you weren't there because <laughs> you, the you didn't pay for the ten dollar pass yeah <laughs> yeah I, I do think ea kind of screwed the pooch a little bit with some of these things um i understand that that's kind of where the industry was going because gamestop was kind of booming and the the resale market was booming 
And EA was like, well, we're not seeing any of that money and we want some of that money. But overall, the, the Mass Effect trilogy, I think, is very much like the video game version of Star Wars, where, you, you know, you have that first introduction that just gets a lot of people. Then you have the second one that gets even more people Then the third one. A lot of people are like, eh, it's OK. <laughs> uh, and then you have angry Internet trolls that are like, it's the worst fucking thing ever. Yeah. And then the, the new ones come out and everyone complains about how woke it is. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, I could talk about these games for hours. And I feel like, you know, I always feel like I'm in the middle of a rant and I'm like, nobody else is talking because I'm just, because <laughs> I just have so many thoughts about it. Um, so hopefully that's not the, the case in your perception. But anyway, I can always edit it. So it seems like you're, you're not hogging all the airtime. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, like I, like I literally am. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you haven't played those games, if you, if you have any like kind of thing that can run games, I think, except for like a switch, I think is the only thing it's not on, but they released it last year as like an anniversary package called the legendary edition. It's got all three games, all basically almost all the DLC, all the, all the DLC that matters. I would say if you have 120 hours and <laughs> 60 bucks, you can have a good time. Oh, it's on game pass actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that too. Yeah. You have an Xbox with it with game pass Go for it. I think it's the original editions. I don't think the legendary edition is on there, but all four games are on there. One, two, three and Andromeda. It's got nice. No, it's, it's definitely the legendary edition because that's that's one I'm playing now. I've got I'm done doing it through Game Pass. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they did a great job on the first game as well. You know, kind of bringing that up to kind of like the same level as the second two as well. So, yeah, there are some really great quality of life improvements. Um, I I'm still trying to make my way through the third one. I forgot how much of that one is just kind of like go to this part of the Citadel and then go to that part of the Citadel and then come back to this part of the Citadel to finish the mission. And just so many of those like fetch quests that it, it becomes a little grating at times, but it, it's still a lot of fun. And I, I can't recommend the trilogy enough as these guys are saying, if you haven't played it strongly recommend it, especially if you have the time. If you are playing the third one, I will give you just advice. Don't be me. If you're trying to get the best ending, do all those little side quests. They seem dumb and, sh- and silly, but there's a couple of points where like they will take them away from you. And like I missed the best ending on my second playthrough by like the slightest of that little score because I hit one of those points in a return and it was like, oh, by the way, the quest to get potatoes or whatever the hell, that's <laughs> gone now. <laughs> and now that means your shepherd is high. Also, uh, fuck Udina, whatever that guy's <laughs> yeah. title is. Yeah, yeah. He is the worst. So, sorry, Josh. I one more thing I wanted to say. One line that stuck out in, in my mind from it, and it's it's from Rex, and it's from the first game, but I, I creased, creased up when I heard this again. It was like, he's, he's in the middle of an argument, and he says, don't piss in my ear and tell me it's raining. I mean, that's, <laughs> a brilliant, that's kind of what I wanted to finish with. Brilliant. I love Rex. If there yes, if there's our, a better gigantic turtle man a better way to go out I don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> and with that we will start winding down uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore scar you can follow the podcast at talking smack pod you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes thank you to Beppo for our avatars uh, please subscribe rate review Dan please feel free to share your socials. Uh, yeah, get us on Twitter at Casting Views, or if you want to send us an email, it's castingviewspod at gmail.com. And definitely subscribe to Casting Views because it is a fantastic podcast and it's a great way to start your Sundays. Okay, thank you.
I will pitch with that, Matt. Um, I'll pitch. Sorry. Because I'm not going to share my socials because I am locked because I don't want any of you knowing what I have to say. Um, (laughs) But we do have a Discord talking smack. Um, Josh. Yes, I got to put the Discord into the script there. Josh probably knows more about how to actually access it. But, you know, it's a fun time. We We are on it. Some of the other various friends of the podcast are on it. And if you ever, like, if you, if you listen to this show and thought, I wish I could like listen to that dude's rants, but like in text form, <laughs> that's discord. I'm every day. I'm just whatever random thing is on my mind. So yeah, the link to the discord will be in the episode descriptions. That's going to be a, a standard thing now going forward, but I did add it to my script so I could stop forgetting about it. Cause pretty much right now it's just us and the video game club guys. Um, which discord is a fun service that allows us to have different conversations going in different places, but we're always on subject because of that. So it it is a really fun service. So thank you, Matt, for bringing that up. I forgot about that altogether. It's the one thing that I like sort of control. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you everyone for taking the time to listen, uh, take care. And again, please subscribe, rate review, and we will talk to you soon. Play Mass Effect. One final thing before I go, watch Star Trek.